official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. For most of my life, if you asked me what Sabbath is, I would probably just say uh, Sunday. And if you pressed me a little harder, I'd probably say uh, going to church on Sunday. I had a very pre, uh, sort of one-dimensional understanding of Sabbath. But I've come to learn that Sabbath is so much more than a day of the week. Um, Mark Buchanan, who wrote a wonderful book on the Sabbath called The Rest of God, um, he says that before we keep a Sabbath day, we cultivate a Sabbath heart. And I think that's so true. So this morning, I want us to take some time to um, look at what Sabbath is and where it comes from and why it's absolutely critical to integrate into our lives if we want to flourish. Because I believe we will only flourish when we, um, when we are, are living life at God's pace for us instead of our own pace. We also have a special treat this morning. I've invited someone from our congregation to share a little bit about how she practices Sabbath and what Sabbath has come to mean for her. So stay tuned for that just a little bit later. So meanwhile, I have a trivia question for you. Who celebrated the first Sabbath? We have a few options here. Abraham, Moses, Billy Graham, or God? If you said God, you are correct. The answer is God. Um, The picture that the scripture gives us of the first Sabbath is in Genesis I mean, Genesis 1, we see God creating the whole world in six days, all the universe, the planets, the stars, the continents of the earth, the oceans, the birds, the mammals, every manner of insect. And then here's what scripture says happened next in Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it Holy, by the way, in Scripture, that's the first thing that God declares holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Wait, what? I know that world creating is a pretty big task, but, you know, if God is God, he shouldn't really get tired, right? So how can Scripture say that he rested? Well, the Hebrew word for rest here simply means to stop or to cease. And that's the original root meaning of the word Shabbat, to stop or to cease. So God wasn't catching his breath. He was simply ceasing from his work because it was complete. So if he wasn't catching his breath, what was he actually doing on that seventh day? Well, it seems that God was doing what every artist loves to do. He was stepping back and he was taking in what he had just created. Genesis 1.31 says, God looked over all he made, and he saw that it was very good. And I think this is a very significant line. God took time to notice. He took time to enjoy. He took time to savor his creation. It appears that God took a day for delight. I think we have a lot to learn from the first Sabbath. A person who works all the time doesn't have space for delight. 
Because to enter into delight, we need to step back from our necessary day-to-day tasks. And we also need rest because unlike God, we actually get tired. We get pretty tired. I'm convinced that many people in our country, if not most, go through life tired. Here's a, a diagnostic to know if you're exhausted. When you stop caring about the things that you care about, can you relate? Have you ever had that experience? So when we're rested, we're not only able to care about the things that we care about, but actually delight in them. So Sabbath, Sabbath rest, it makes room for delight. So I have another trivia question for you. The Ten Commandments. As they appear in Scripture, which one is the longest? Now, these are just paraphrases. These are four examples. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't murder. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. I'm sure you can guess where I'm going. Which do you think is the longest in Scripture? It is the fourth commandment, to keep the Sabbath holy, to observe the Sabbath and to keep it holy. So who knows why it's the longest commandment as they're written in Scripture? Who knows why? But I think that God knew it was going to be pretty difficult for us to follow this commandment, that we would be particularly tempted to dismiss this commandment. Because when you stack it up against the others, like don't steal, don't murder, don't bear false witness, it seems kind of lightweight, doesn't it? Of all the commandments, this is the one that seems like it would be the most harmless to neglect. Um, Let's take a look at this uh, commandment. I'm going to invite uh, Sherry up. Um, to read from the scripture. We're going to read the version that appears in Deuteronomy. This um, the commandments also appear in a slightly separate version in Exodus. So um, we're going to read Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. As the Lord your God has commanded you, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work, This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Thanks, Sherry. Okay. So why observe Sabbath? Well, before God answers a question of why, he's pretty interested in the question of who. Who should celebrate Sabbath? And he makes it really clear that the person who's listening to this scripture, because originally the scripture would have been proclaimed and there would have been, um, the Israelites would have heard it spoken. Um, it wasn't just for them. It was for their children, their livestock, their servants, both male and female, any foreigners with whom they had to do. Do you see the, do you, do you sense the strong anti-exploitation message in the Sabbath commandment? God is essentially saying, if you take the day off, but you don't give it the day off to those under your authority, you're not actually celebrating Sabbath. You see, God cares a great deal about equity and about justice. And when Sabbath is practiced as he intends for it to be practiced, it becomes a picture of justice and equity. So back to our original question, why practice Sabbath? Well, this uh, commandment 
um, makes it clear that its answer to that question is verse 15. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Wait, God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, so I'm supposed to take a Sabbath every Sunday or every week? Where's the logic there? What does the Israelite slavery in Egypt have to do with celebrating the Sabbath? Well, track with me now because there is a logic and it's pretty fascinating and it's revolutionized the way I think about Sabbath. So here we go. When the Israelites lived in Egypt under Pharaoh as slaves, they lived miserable lives. They worked the fields under the hot Egyptian sun. They made bricks. They built the infrastructure of cities. This was heavy, forced labor. And Pharaoh kept accusing them of being lazy. And he would um, try to squeeze more work out of them. And their taskmasters were ruthless and they would, they would beat them. And God heard their cries. And God raised up a deliverer, a man named Moses. And through a series of dramatic plagues and the miraculous opening up of the Red Sea, God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to freedom. So here are the Israelites in the desert with their newfound freedom. And I imagine they're in a bit of shock because all that they have known for generations is work. They don't know how not to work. The taskmasters are history. Thank God they'll never see them again. But the Israelites can probably still hear their voices booming. Work harder. Work more. One more row of bricks. Your work isn't done. And God says, I want you to take a day of the week. And on that day, you are not to work. On that day, stop. Rest. Leave your work behind. Because you couldn't rest when you were slaves in Egypt, because slaves don't rest. Slaves can't rest. Slaves aren't free to rest. But you are free. And now that you're free, take that seventh day each week to rest. And when you are resting on that day, remember that it is I who delivered you from bondage. God wanted the Israelites to relish their freedom, to remember who gave it to them. And the way he invited them to do that is to embrace a rhythm of intentional Sabbath rest. So how does that translate for us? We may not be enslaved, but sometimes I think we act like we're still in Egypt because we're in bondage to our work. Or maybe it's not actually our work that we're in bondage to, but it's the things that our work does for us. Perhaps we're in bondage to fear that when the stakes fall, we won't have enough. We won't have enough to send our kids to a good college or to retire. Or, or maybe we're in bondage to the things that we want to buy because we think that finally they'll make our lives happy when we get them, which of course they won't. But our culture tells us they will. And we're feeling pretty desperate, desperate enough to believe our culture. Or maybe we're simply in bondage to busyness because... It distracts us, and it keeps us from having to be alone with ourselves. And the thought of being alone with ourselves is terrifying. We act often like we're still in Egypt, like we're still in bondage. But here's the gospel. Here's the good news. 
But just as God sent Moses to deliver the people of Israel from bondage in Egypt, he has sent Jesus to deliver us from bondage to sin and death. And just as the Israelites walked through the Red Sea to freedom, we who have chosen to follow Jesus have walked through the Red Sea of his cleansing, sacrificial blood into our own eternal freedom. And when we take a Sabbath rest, this is evidence of our freedom. When we celebrate Sabbath, here's what we're saying. We're saying, I have enough. I am more than my work. I am more than what a paycheck can buy. God provides. Once we were slaves, now we are free. That's why we celebrate Sabbath. I have a third trivia question for you. Um, So the Israelites are wandering the desert, and God feeds them miraculously every day. What does he feed them? Pomegranates? Tacos? Waffles with Vermont maple syrup? Manna. Well, God fed them manna. And every day they would go out and they would collect just enough for that day. And if they collected extra, it would rot. If they tried to save it for the next day, it would rot. So they had to go out every day. But then God gives them one instruction, which is, on the sixth day, I want you to actually collect enough for two days. And when they do, it doesn't rot. And they have enough for the seventh day, so they don't have to go and work and collect manna on the seventh day. But some of the Israelites didn't trust God. Or maybe they were just a little greedy. And so they went out on the seventh day looking for manna. And guess how much manna they found? None. There was no manna to be had on the seventh day. They wasted their time. Their efforts were fruitless. And God had a little talk with them about this. He has a little talk with them through Moses. God says in Exodus 16, 29, the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. Did you catch that? The Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. The Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. God has a gift for each one of us here this morning, and it's the gift of rest. It's the gift of time to do something that's life-giving or to reconnect with people in a life-giving way. It's the gift of spaciousness to gain perspective on your week and your life, the kind of perspective you just can't have when you're in your tasks in the middle of the week. It's the gift of time also to remember him and his faithfulness, to take a deep breath and just look up. And when we do that, that rest that we experience, that we taste, that is a foretaste, just a foretaste of the perfect rest that we will experience in glory. It's a glimpse of heaven. What will we do with that gift? So Sabbath is a gift, and it's also one more thing. It's a sign. At the end of the book of Exodus, God says, um, this is Exodus 31, 13, Be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I want us to think about that for a second. Taking a day of rest is a sign of our relationship with our God and a sign of his covenant with us. It's a sign first and foremost to us because we need to be reminded that he is our provider. Uh, we, we are not 
uh, the provider, right? We work, but ultimately we rely on him. He is our redeemer and we are the redeemed. It's also a sign, as it says in this verse, to the generations to come. So parents, when you celebrate Sabbath as a family, you're giving your children a powerful lesson and a precious gift. Because when they grow up and they look around them and see that practically no one in their culture practices Sabbath rest. In fact, many people don't even know what real rest is. They are going to have had a taste of real rest. They are going to have had a picture and a taste of God's pace for them. And they will have a foundational understanding that God provides. But the Sabbath isn't just a sign to us and our children. It's also a sign to the world, to the people around us. It's a sign that we... Ultimately, we're not beholden to our work. It's a sign that he has indeed set us free. It's a sign that our taskmaster no longer has power over us. So I have a picture for you of something else that is also a sign and a gift. Something that's a sign and a gift. A wedding ring. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, about I don't know where it came from or just came to me and just thought, a wedding ring, a Sabbath is like a wedding ring. Think about it. A wedding ring, by definition, is a gift. You would never buy your own wedding ring, right? It is a gift by definition, but it's also a sign. It's a sign to you of your partner's lifelong covenant commitment to you. And as you wear that wedding ring, it's a sign to the world that you are loved. You are very very, very loved, and you have said yes to this love. You're no longer yours. You're no longer your own. You are your beloved's, and he is your delight. And that, I think, is Sabbath. It's God's gift to us and a sign to the world that we are loved by God, that we are very, very, very loved. And we are no longer our own. We are his, and he is our delight. So I want to invite up a good friend of mine, um, someone who's been coming to church at the well since, well, before we were actually church at the well. Um, Ann Watson, come up, Ann, <laughs> um, is an exceptionally hardworking person, one of the most hardworking people I know, also someone who loves life deeply. Um, Ann uh, is a board-certified high school physics teacher in Montpelier. She coaches Ultimate Frisbee, and am I right, your team... Uh, won championships this spring. We did. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. State champs. And she's pretty involved in local politics. In fact, she happens to be the mayor of our capital city, Montpelier. Um, so, so, based on all of that, you really shouldn't even be here, Anne. <laughs> but Anne has a strong dedication to Sabbath and to this community. And we're so thankful for your um, willingness to share just a little bit about um, your practice of Sabbath. So I want to start by just asking you, Anne, if you would just describe um, a little bit about um, what are some of, the, some of the things that you do and don't do in your Sabbath? How have you chosen to practice or not practice Sabbath? Sure, yeah, so... Uh so it's probably worth saying that I am really intentional about uh, my Sabbath. Um, sometimes it's Saturday, sometimes it's Sunday, but I pick a day. Um, and on my Sabbath day, I mean, I do all the normal things that you have to do to be alive. Like I brush my teeth and I get dressed and, you know, do whatever. I imagine if, uh, if I was a farmer, I'd still milk the cows, you know, that kind of thing. I don't respond to email. Uh, 
even if I do sort of keep an eye on it um, if I need to. Uh, but if I can also get away from even that, like that's great. I, um, what's to say about that? Sorry, I have so much to say about this. Uh, the, another thing that I, I do do, some things that I intentionally do on Sabbath are um, just things that I feel like I don't give myself time for during the week necessarily. I, I um, be want to intentionally be making time for like I play piano so I like I might play or I might play guitar or I might um read poetry uh gosh when do I otherwise have time to read poetry um I I take naps you know if, if I'm really exhausted like from the week if I, I just I'm like I, I just don't even have the strength to um open a book or start playing um, music, uh, I might just, like, put on a favorite movie um, or whatever and just just get fed from uh, just, enjoy, like, sitting back and enjoying something. Um, I nap uh, a lot on Sabbath. I pray a lot on, on Sabbath. Um, but I, I think it's also worth mentioning that um, it's – actually, this is, like, an intentional struggle I have, but I, I try my best to not um, be on – Facebook, uh, because that is just a vortex, um, for me. And I, uh, it's, it's something that I recognize is like not healthy. Um, like I could spend hours there and have, and, um, or just any flavor of social media that's, that's, um, intentionally designed to be addictive. Like this is not, Sabbath is not a time to, to give in to addiction, um, but rather to to be alive. Like if it makes me feel alive, if I come away from it feeling better and more um, refreshed, then that's great. Um, so yeah, that, awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you also about what part um, coming to church plays as part of your Sabbath practice, because I notice that you're here most Sundays. Um, yeah. So uh, where how does church sort of fit into your Sabbath practice? Uh, so especially if um, Sabbath, my, my chosen Sabbath falls on a Sunday, um, it's there's a question that I sort of have to ask myself, like, do I want to go? Is this going to be life-giving for me? And the answer is yes. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what a great opportunity to come and um, see people that I love and hang out with them. I mean, they are, you all are life-giving for me, and I love seeing you. Uh, and also, uh, you know, what a great time to uh, just uh, express... Uh, uh, you know, worship um, to uh-huh. God, that uh-huh. is, I think, also uh, really important. Um, I mean, even when my Sabbath is on a Saturday, um, sometimes uh, just playing worship, like, mm. at my house might be mm. a thing that I do. Mm. That's lovely. Um, so I wanted to ask how your practice of Sabbath has evolved. Has it always been like this or not? How, no. how has it changed? No, it's certainly not been like this. Um, I think I... Um, I think I got some impression that it was really important. I mean, it's in the Ten Commandments and seems to be like a symbol of, uh, you know, God's people. And so I would try, like there were some years in which I would just like try to not, um, you know, do work or whatever on on uh, whatever day. Uh, but then I, I, it was really actually after I became mayor that mm. uh, my life just got really full and very busy and um I I found that I I really needed um to 
to disconnect and unplug. And I found that, I mean, I am, I am a workhorse. Like I will just, I will crush it, um, during the week. Uh, and, but, uh, but I crush it and like work my butt off knowing that Saturday is coming or Sunday is coming. And I am, I, I can, um, I just look forward to whatever day that is, um, that there is rest, that there is a light at the end of this very short tunnel, and it's going to be okay. Um, How does it affect your week? Uh, well, it, <laughs> uh, it means that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it means that I, I can uh, give myself to just working really hard uh, during the week. Um, and, but it, I've also found that it, um, you know, when I get to like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm like, I'm basically done for the day. Like nothing useful is going to happen at that point. Uh, it means that like, oh, you know what? I could play some music right now. Mm-hmm. Or I could, uh, you know, work on this project that I'm really passionate about that gives me life just mm-hmm. by doing it or mm-hmm. um you know there's there's a little bit of things that I would do on a Sabbath that like creep in to mm. the rest so of it sounds my like day. there's almost like this overflow like you're embracing Sabbath and then it's sort of carrying you like there's a moment during the week when you're finished with your work and instead of just like this like empty vacuum there's like oh I could continue this yeah this Sabbath practice even kind of throughout the yeah, week a little totally bit. that's interesting yeah um, has anything surprised you since you've become really intentional about Sabbath and practicing Sabbath? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've uh, I've just discovered that, like, I really love reading Robert Frost, or nice. I've discovered that I uh, really, I really do love um, uh, making music. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Cool. Like, yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, so I, I have to ask you about like protecting your Sabbath, like you must face temptations to just work on that Sabbath day. And so I'm wondering about what you do when you have those temptations or what you do to protect that, that time. Sure. If I'm really on my game, I might do my laundry the day before or dishes, you know, like run the dishwasher the day before, but, uh, often I'm not that on top of it. Um, but, uh, sometimes, I mean, those dishes, they, like, stare at me. You know what I mean? They're, they're right there. Or there's some task that's just staring at me. And, and plus, like, I have, I have hundreds of things that I need to do in any given week. Uh, we all do, right? And so sometimes if it's really, like, you know, I could just do that thing, um, I will, I'll just write it down. I mean, like, it's there. I've accounted for it. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so making lists is helpful mm-hmm. for me. Um, but also, th- so I also, coaching Ultimate often happens on weekends. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've started actually uh, keeping track. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, if I, if I know that I, I'm missing a Sabbath, I actually, like, keep track. And I'm like, I, I'm going to give myself two Sabbaths at some point, right? Like both days, I'm going to do nothing for both days if I if I can find find those those times. Um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, this is probably too much information. But um, sorry, this is not what you're going to what you go asked. for it. Whatever uh, you want to share. Well, I was thinking about how like you know the Sabbath is made for the person, right? And if your cow falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you pull it out. Right. And so like yesterday, I was taking my Sabbath yesterday and like the IRS called me on a Saturday. And I was like, oh, this is one of those cow moments. And so I I was like, I'm going to take this. 
Amazing. And like, it was great and it was fine. Everything's wonderful. But I was like, my gosh, if the IRS calls you on a Saturday, I'm going to pick it up. But in any case, um, otherwise, I, I, you know, I protect it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. So um, uh, I just showed um, a picture of, of, a, of a wedding ring. And we usually wouldn't do this in the middle of a sermon. But I do want to also point out that in addition to high school um, teacher and, and mayor, you're also about to become a wife. Yes. And so yes. Zach and, and Anne are recently <laughs> engaged. So thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to also acknowledge that both Anne and I happen to be uh, single and don't have little kids running around. And so Sabbath might look a little bit different for you if you are raising a young family. So I decided to reach out to a friend of mine who's a mother of three young kids just to see how she celebrates Sabbath. And I just thought I'd give you a little picture of her Sabbath. Um, She starts Sabbath Saturday night when she puts her kids to bed. Her husband is a pastor, and so he's like finishing up his sermon prep. And so she um, says, um, sometimes I use that time to pray and reflect. I will even go and light a candle in my room. So then the next uh, morning, Sunday morning, they'll go to church. And then afternoon, she says, we all take naps. She says, after lunch, everyone goes to their own room for an hour of quiet, and I savor the chance to read and relax, she said. And after that, she says, we play together, often outdoors. I let the laundry pile up. I don't expect myself to accomplish tasks, but give myself permission to be present to my family and to God. Um, and she, she shared some other things as well about, about her um, celebration of Sabbath. So I want to close with just three practical ways that I think God might be inviting us to celebrate Sabbath. This is not a comprehensive list, but the three words that I have are pray, play, and ponder. Now, during the week, I'm on a schedule, as I imagine most of us are on a schedule. I have spaces in that schedule for prayer, but even when I'm in that space of prayer, I'm often like thinking about what's next, I'm getting ready for what's next. So my prayers during the week submit to my schedule, but on the Sabbath, that gets flipped on its head, and my uh, schedule submits to my prayers. I take a walk with God, or I journal at length. I'm a little bit like Jordan. I love to journal. Or um, I listen to some music, like Anne was talking about, and, and I let those lyrics and the sentiments of those songs become my own prayer. And I waste time with God. So during Sabbath, my... Um, Schedule submits to my prayer. I need that spiritual rest, um, not just the physical rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach of you because I'm humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what Sabbath is about, connecting with the one who alone gives us rest for our souls. So the second word is play. I don't know. um, Sometimes I think you have to play hard to rest well. Anyone agree with that? Anyone experience that? You have to play hard sometimes to rest well. When I was in graduate school, I had to read so many books, and I just couldn't turn my brain off at the end of the day and even on the weekends, and I'd be in church, and I'd be thinking about what I was reading and my exams or whatever was coming up. And then one day I realized the only way I'm ever going to turn my brain off is actually not to turn it off, but to engage another part of it, to engage uh, it by doing something very different. And so I picked up a musical instrument. Um, I bought myself a hammered dulcimer. I spent afternoons, long Sunday afternoons, like teaching myself this complicated and beautiful instrument. And it was a challenge and it was a delight. And when my my head hit the pillow on uh, Sunday nights, even if I felt tired, 
um, I was rested because I had successfully ceased from my work. And on Monday morning, I was ready to face it again. I believe that play has the potential to renew us, that it's not always just recreation, but it can be recreation, that play can be recreative for us. So I want to ask you, what is recreative play look like for you? Finally, I just, um, my, my third word is ponder. I believe that Sabbath is an invitation for us to ponder because when else are we going to ponder? We are created with a deep, innate capacity for wonder. But we live in a culture that's wonder-starved. And there's only so long that we can go not entering into that space of wonder before something in us dies a little. And I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't think God wants that to happen to me or to any of us. But I need spaciousness if I'm going to experience wonder. And Sabbath is that spaciousness for wonder. So this morning I opened with two questions. When was the last time you felt deeply rested? And what's something that's life-giving for you that you never seem to get around to do because there's, not just, there's just not enough time? I want us uh, to, I just, I, I, bringing you back to those questions, not to come up with answers for them, but to, to send you out with them, to think about them more deeply. And I also want to ask you one more question and that is, what did this discussion of Sabbath this morning bring up for you? What did it stir in you? Is there a longing in your heart for rest? Do you feel maybe distant from God and you need rest for your soul? You need to take a moment where you're no longer relying on yourself, but you're relying on him. Do you see a way maybe in which that life-giving activity that you never seem to get around to because there isn't time, could actually be a part of God's plan for your renewal instead of a guilty pleasure that you have to steal time for. We're going to close in prayer, and as we do, I, I want to invite you to listen, to listen to the Spirit, to listen to God, to listen for his invitation, his personal invitation to you to rest, to embrace Sabbath, to, uh, to taste freedom. Let's pray. Father, we live in a culture that is greatly um, starved of rest, starved of wonder. A culture that's, even though we boast of our freedom, is not always free because we're in bondage to our work. Lord, we just confess that there have been times when we have allowed ourselves to be in bondage to our work. We have relied entirely on ourselves and we have forgotten to take up your burden and come to you for rest for our souls. And so forgive us for that, Lord. Thank you for showing us that rest is a gift. It's a good thing. Help us to honor you um, by resting. Help us to honor our own limitations, Lord. Limitations that aren't a bad thing. They're just how we are designed. We want to walk at the pace that you have established for us. We want room, Lord, in our lives to be able to step back and love well and breathe deeply and look up. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to, to pray. Help us, Lord, to waste time with you. Help us to reconnect with you. Show us if there is a prayer practice or, or something that was perhaps even mentioned this morning that might be something new for somebody here, but that could be the invitation for you to reconnect in a new way with God. 
Show us, Lord, how we can play, how we can ponder, how we can honor you. And Lord, we thank you that you meet us in our rest. Uh, You modeled rest for us. And when we rest, we are uh, imitating our God who has made us in his image and being renewed in his image. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 